Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. For more information, please check out our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Now let's join Pastor Russell for today's message. Well, good evening uh, once again. Uh, thank you guys for being here tonight. It's a pleasure uh, to be with you. And if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, you know we're in a sermon series called Better. And uh, I've really liked this sermon series because it's just another sermon series except better. And uh, I think you all would agree with that for sure. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at God's Word at the places uh, in Scripture where God says, this is better than this. In our day, in our culture, we're always looking for something better, whether it's new technology, uh, whether it's a better house or a better car or whatever it is. And so as a people who look for better things, I believe it's most important that we look at what God says is better. So this has been a really fun series, and we've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, But today we're going to look at a scripture in Proverbs. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Proverbs 22. And this is a scripture that really speaks uh, to, I think, where we are as a society and really challenges us to take a look at who we are on the inside and to really submit that before the Lord and to allow Him to shape who we are. So Proverbs uh, 22 and verse 1, and it's a very brief scripture. It says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches... And favor is better than silver or gold. And we're going to focus really on the first half of that. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Now, I want to start out with just a general observation tonight, okay? And that is, we live in a culture where what you have is prized above who you are. Let me say that again. We live in a culture where what you have is prized above who you are. And so if you, if you don't believe me, then, then all we've got to do is take a look at some financial statistics. Because as a society, we sacrifice our financial future so that we can have all of the things that we think we are supposed to have. And for many of us, uh, that's toys, maybe it's uh, a certain kind of car, or or again, a certain kind of house, or maybe it's just a lot of little things that begin to add up again and again and again. Now, there's nothing necessarily wrong with the things, right? Like, I'm kind of a thing guy. Like, you just ask my wife, and she will shake her head and nod, yes, I love all of the fun little things that our culture offers, right? And, And we won't go there. But the problem happens when we begin to value the things over God's priorities. And it may start real innocently, right? Like we all like toys and we're grown-ups here, so we have grown-up toys and grown-up toys are expensive. And again, nothing wrong with grown-up toys except when they start to get in the way of serving the Lord. And so what happens is maybe we've got this thing that we really love or we like to do and we spend some money on it and nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, But then, all of a sudden, we become maybe a little bit obsessed with it. 
And, and so we start using it all the time, or we start going to that place all the time, and, and pretty soon we're going there instead of going to small group, or we're going there, or we're using our toy instead of going to church on Saturday nights. And what happens is we slowly but surely get distracted off of the things of the Lord. And if it's not the thing itself, sometimes the temptation is the pursuit of the thing, right? And so we've got to have the thing so we can keep up with the Joneses, but we have to make the money in order to be able to do that. And so what happens is we spend all of our extra time trying to make the money. Now, nothing wrong with working hard, nothing wrong with working overtime, nothing wrong with trying to get ahead. But again, when that becomes an impediment to us having fellowship uh, with believers and uh, serving the Lord, then we have a great problem. And this is where our society is today. Now, because you're at church on Saturday night, I don't assume that most of you are in that category, but that's where, that's where our society is. And that's what our society values. But what God's word here, specifically what Solomon says in Proverbs 22.1, is that it is better to have a good name. It is better to have a good reputation. It is better to have a good standing with the Lord than to have all of these other things. So we learn that a name is very important. Now, uh, I had some fun this week, and I did some reading. Uh, do you guys, I think we're all old enough, do you guys remember the Chevy Nova? Everybody remember that car? So interestingly enough, uh, they chose a, a fun name for that car, but that car did not sell well, apparently. Now, this is hearsay, okay? That car did not sell well in Mexico. Can anybody understand why? No? Va. Anybody know what va means? Yeah, okay. Spanish speaker over here, Yes. Uh, it means no go. It's not going to go anywhere. So you name a car, no go. You're not going to sell it to anyone who knows Spanish. Um, for some of you older folks, I, apparently there was a hunger suppressant candy back in the 80s called AIDS. Anybody remember that? Okay, this one's going to fall short then. Anyway, apparently there's this hunger suppressing candy, and it was called AIDS, A-Y-D-S, and, and sales went through the roof, apparently. And uh, then the AIDS epidemic happened, and nobody would buy the candy anymore. So, you know, a name is a pretty important thing. And, and in our society, oftentimes we don't pr place a whole lot of value on a name. Um, like when we named our daughter Haley. Uh, hi, Haley, by the way. She's with her grandparents, and they're watching tonight. Um, we just like the name, right? But, but if we look in the Bible, and we look at names in the Bible, a name was very important, because with a name comes a reputation. And uh, so you begin to think, well, this person is good or bad. This person has a hard work ethic or they don't. Here's what this person does for a living. And when you say a name, all of these things begin to enter through your mind. So just a couple of quick examples of the power of a name. Uh, you think about the name Jacob uh, in the Old Testament. Jacob simply means deceiver or trickster and obviously, throughout the story of Jacob, who later became Israel, we see that that was true of his life. He was a trickster. Uh, and then, I, I mean, the one that sticks out to me the most is Emmanuel. It means God with us. And that was a prophecy in the Old Testament uh, that the Messiah would be called Emmanuel, God with us. Obviously, that carries a lot of weight and a lot of power. So for you and I, 
I believe it's important that we give attention to our name, right? And so many times in our society, we've actually kind of discounted our name when we said, well, I don't care what other people think about us. And that's okay to a degree, but when, as believers, we carry the name of Christ with us, it begins to matter what other people think about us and how they perceive us. So I'm just going to ask the question tonight, what does it mean for us to have a good name? What does it mean? So I think three things. Number one, it means that you are a person of integrity. You're a person of integrity. Your yes means yes, your no means no. When you say you're going to be somewhere, you're there. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. Integrity is defined uh, in the dictionary by Mr. Webster as the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. I mean, we would just say, or I would say anyway, that integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is looking or no one is going to find out. And for us, that means maybe at work, we're going through the right procedures. Time after time, even though maybe it's a, it's a struggle or it's a hassle or we don't see the point in it. It means when we're filling out reports that we're making sure our numbers are correct and they are accurate to the best of our knowledge. I came across a whole list of things that it means to have integrity. And I'm just going to read this list and then I'm going to add a few of my own to it. Uh, number one, uh, a strong work ethic, responsible, has manners, can say uh, yes ma'am and no ma'am, yes sir and no sir, sacrifice, stewardship, teachability, accountability, loyalty, learning to have trade-offs so there's give and take, honesty, discipline, ability to interact with others in a positive way, endurance, courage, morality, self-esteem. And I would add on timeliness. I'll just let that one sit. And I would add on a couple of others too. Number one, I'd say there's just very little sin in your life. There's just very little sin. It's easy to be a person of integrity if there's no sin there. But when sin begins to enter in, then we're not doing things, uh, the things we know we should be doing, and all of a sudden, our integrity is broken. And, and also, this one just kind of came to me earlier this week. There, you live a drama-free life, right? And listen, I know we're all dramatic sometimes. I might have had a moment or two this week, maybe. Uh, and so that happens, right? But over a period of time, if you're known as the person who's always caught in some kind of drama, then that tells me something about you. That maybe there's some kind of secret sin laying around, or there's something that you're doing that continues to cause problems for other people. And I'd say we're missing the mark on that, and there's got to be sin. So a person of integrity can be trusted. And oftentimes people will then begin to entrust things with you or they begin to come to you for things uh, like wisdom or discernment in your life. And I would even say that to be a person of integrity, especially in our context, means that you love Jesus and that you keep company of others who love Jesus. 
I learned very early in college that birds of a feather flock together. You always see doves with doves. You see cardinals with cardinals. You see pigeons with pigeons. You don't ever see a hawk and a bluebird interacting together. And so the same thing is true for you and me and the company that we keep. And, and, and it was said to me when I was in college, if you look at the, the five people who you would call your closest friends and you look at the character of each one of those, then you know exactly who you are. So for us as believers, we are to live our lives with other believers. We're to keep a, a strong Christian company because it keeps us accountable and it keeps us uh, as a people of integrity so that we can bear the name of Christ well. Integrity is crucial. I had a, a friend I was at lunch with this week, and he and his wife were building a house, and um, they, I guess, did a walkthrough with the builder, and the, the builder said, uh, hey, listen, I'm so sorry about this shower over here. Uh, we're we're going to get that fixed. Uh, we don't like the way the tile guy did it. And the couple kind of looked at it and said, oh, well, we don't see anything wrong with it. But the builder was just insistent. He said, no, the tile guy did a bad job, and we're going to redo that for you guys so that it's made right. And that's integrity, right? Like that couple would have never, ever even noticed that something was wrong with their shower. But the guy said, no, we are going to make this right. It's doing the right thing even when it's difficult But I would also say um, that if we're going to be a people who have a good name, it it means that we're going to have, we're going to use life's circumstances to build our character. And so you and I, we're going to build our character because character is not something that is built overnight. It's built over time. And we've got to go through a lot of life to be able to build it. And oftentimes we can lose it in an instance. Brooke and I were watching a movie, and I think it was called Late Night. And it's about this uh, TV, this late night TV show host who just demands excellence from everyone uh, who's around her, from her writers to her producers to uh, the guys who are on stage with her. She demands excellence, and things must be perfect. But despite the fact that she wants everything to be perfect, her ratings have slipped uh, throughout time. And the network says, hey, your time with us is done. And so she goes on a rampage and really tries to up the program again and really starts doing some new things. And during the middle of all this, while she is the person who demands excellence and accepts nothing less, it comes out that she had an affair with one of her writers years before, and her whole world begins to crumble. You see, it takes a lifetime to build character, but it can be lost in one moment. One of the things I love about um, the Bible, well, one of the things I love about the book of James is the very first couple of verses, and I've shared this with you very often uh, for those of you who are are regulars here, and it's James 1, 2 through 4, And, and it simply, in my word, says that, listen, hard times come to all of us, but we've got to let these hard times have their work in our life because it's a test. It's a test of our faith. It's a test of our character. And when we get to the other side of that difficult time or that tragedy in life, then our character is made strong and we are more Christ-like then at that time than we are when we begin with. 
Because the goal is Christian maturity, that we would be perfect and complete, in the words of James, not lacking anything. And so oftentimes I believe we get distracted in life. And we think that life is about having fun, life is about being happy, but I believe what God sees as way more important is our character, who we are on the inside. And so while He does not prevent tragedy from coming our way, He uses that. And so the next time a hard time comes to you, you've got to understand that God is for you and not against you, and He is using that hard time to test your faith to test your character so that you can become the man or woman of God that he has designed you to be. So do not run from that hard time or that tragedy, but rather lean in and ask the Lord the question, what are you teaching me in this moment? Where is it that my character needs to be built up? Where do I need to be made stronger? Where do I have a kink in my armor that you are revealing to me right now so that I can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, character cannot be bought. Character cannot be uh, just muscled up in, in a moment of time. Character is built up over a lifetime. So we've got to be a people who continually learn and who continually grow so that our character can be developed. Character is developed in the hard times. When a business deal goes wrong, when a friend stabs you in the back, when you have a scuffle with a spouse and things don't go right, it is in those times when character is both revealed and built. And so I would say God's goal for your life, my life, for our lives, is not comfort, is not happiness, but it is Christian maturity. It is the development of a good name that brings honor and glory to Christ. Which leads me to the third point today. And that is simply that to have a great name, it means that we're going to lean into Jesus and we're going to allow His Spirit to teach you. So you can't keep close fellowship with Jesus and continue to be in sin and have bad character. For those who lean into Jesus and those who, who learn from Him, their character is built up and they become a person with a great name. So if you're asking the question, well, Russell, this is all great and good, but, but why does it really matter for me? Because as a believer in Christ, brother or sister, you bear the name Christian. You bear the very name of God on your life. So every action that you take, every word that comes out of your mouth is a reflection on your God and your Savior. And not only that, but it is also a reflection on the body of Christ as a whole. So as we go out and we try to witness, so many times people have been hurt by other believers and maybe they meant well or maybe uh, they were having an off day and did something that was unchristlike, and it has pushed them away from wanting to have anything to do with the church. So every word, every action matters. Now church, if... If this were a message and we classified it as law or grace, this would probably be on the law side. But I want to make sure that we end with grace because so many of us have fallen short so many times. And so I just want you to know that there is grace for you. There's grace for you. 
whether your marriage has gone wrong or you've done something that you should not have. Or maybe it's just been an accumulation of things over time, and you just feel like you can't draw near to Jesus again. Let me tell you, there is grace for you. His grace knows no bounds. Not that we ever take advantage of that, but we lean into it, and we take it for what it is. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus does not condemn you, so my dear friend, do not condemn yourself. There is grace for you. I'm reminded of the the story of the sinful woman. Uh, The Pharisees catch a woman in adultery and they drag her uh, shamefully before Jesus. And they say, teacher, this woman, when she was caught in adultery, what do you say? And Jesus just kind of stoops down and he begins to write in the dirt. And they say, well, the law says we should condemn her. Jesus, what do you say? And he just keeps riding in the dirt and stands up and says, whoever of you who's never sinned before, you cast the first stone. And he bends down and he begins to write some more. Slowly but surely, each Pharisee and teacher of the law begins to leave till finally it is only Jesus and the sinful woman. And he simply says to her, Your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. That is the good news of Jesus. There is grace for you. But I would also say that you can change. Who you've been in the past is not who you have to be in the future. Jesus loves to change people. He changes them from the inside out. and In fact, uh, Scripture is full of examples uh, of that happening. And Scripture is also full of examples of of you saying, hey, you change your mind. Hey, you take every thought captive. Hey, you focus on the Spirit, not focus on the flesh. And so Jesus has given us this wonderful thing called a brain. And you're the only one who gets to control the brain. You're the only one who controls its thoughts and its focuses and, and the things that it longs after. And what Scripture tells us is that we can change the way we think, and we can begin to align it with Jesus. And he helps us in that process. And and so if you've been one person in the past and you've got a bad name or or maybe there's some some things that you've done that are just, uh, they feel like they're tacked onto you and you can't get rid of them, I'm here to tell you, Jesus can take those away. He can take those away and he can begin to help you change and create a new life that's found in him. And then finally, I would just say, if we're going to have a great name, Jesus has to be first. Jesus has to be at the very center of your life. You've got to know Him. You've got to draw close to Him. You've got to go deep in His Word. His Word is full of life and joy and hope. And I would say, you have got to listen to Him. There is nothing better in this world than hearing the voice of the Father. And so for those of you who maybe that's something new to you, I would just say, man, we can all hear from the Lord. We can all hear His Spirit talk directly to us. Man, and here's how we know, right? Because it kind of bubbles up with inside of us, and it comes from, from the Bible like it's not going to 
It's not going to be something that's crazy and goes against what the Word of God says. It comes from the point of view of a loving Heavenly Father, and it's never going to be condemning. And so we can test what we believe we hear through that. And I'm telling you, I had someone tell me this week that I heard God for the very first time in my life. I heard Him speak to me, and it was life-changing for this person. And so church, I would encourage every single one of us, let's lean into that, lean into His Word, lean into listening from Him. So many times we bring our prayers to Him and we do so much talking, and here's the God of the universe with all knowledge, and all we would have to do is to be able to sit and to listen, and He's got the answer. Whatever situation in life you're facing, He has the answer for you, and He's happy to share that with you. If we'll slow down, and listen to him. So church, tonight as we close, uh, I'm going to stick around here for prayer for those of you who might need it afterwards. For those of you who are watching uh, online, of course, we've always got our prayer email open. It's just prayer at huddocommunitychurch.org. We encourage you to use that, utilize that. Appreciate you using that this week. And, um, And we'd love to connect with you and pray with you. So if you'll bow with me, we'll pray and be dismissed tonight. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or visit our website at huddocommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.